is not the sermon text, but uh, here's your proverb for, for the day, verses 13 and 14 out of Proverbs 24. My son, eat honey because it is good. <laughs> I like honey. And the honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, wisdom, there is a prospect and your hope will not be cut off. That wisdom is a good thing. So we're today in part four of a series that I've been doing for a while. I'm calling Conversation with God. We've been, we've been uh, really taking a look at Jesus' teachings about prayer. And uh, so far we've talked about why we don't really pray. And we've talked about praying with confidence. We've talked about praying with persistence. Today we're going to talk about faith. Faith that acts. Faith that asks. Faith that endures. Um, and, uh, and, and gets answered. And this whole series has about, been about getting your prayers answered. And, you know, why are my prayers answered? Well, we started off by learning, um, you know, my, my prayers aren't answered because, you know, sometimes I'm asking wrongly, sometimes I'm, I'm, I've got unconfessed sin in my life, I've got, I'm just not praying persistently. There's lots of reasons. And after you check off all of those potential reasons um, to why maybe prayers don't get answered, we, we get down to the matter of faith. The matter of faith. And uh, faith, faith that acts, asks, and endures, that's the prayer that gets answered. So faith that asks, that's going to the Lord. Faith that, a- that a- excuse me, acts is going to the Lord. Faith that asks, that's kneeling before the Lord. And faith that endures, that's like, that's like staying before the Lord. So going to, kneeling, and staying before. You know, we're going to go to the Lord with this. We're going to go to the Lord with this. We're going to kneel before the Lord about this. We're, we're staying before the Lord about this, and we're going to see that that is the faith that gets answered. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 5 today, if you've got your Bible. We're going to be in a couple of stories. There. The first story is about a guy named Jairus, and, uh, and his daughter is very, very sick. And we're going to pick this up in Mark 5, starting in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea, beside the sea. You and I, we would say he was at the beach. He's standing at the beach, okay? And he's right there in the sand. Verse 22, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing Jesus, he fell at Jesus's feet. There it is, he acted. Now, by the way, this is a true story. This is a true story. It really happened. I believe this is true. Do you believe this is a true story? Yeah, yeah, okay, this is a true story. It's, it's as true as the sky is up. It's as true as where your, your children go to school. It's, this really, really happened. So this guy's got a daughter. I have a daughter. There's something that fathers know about daughters, right, dads? I mean, there's something that we know. It doesn't matter how old they are, they're still your little girl, right? Isn't that true, dads? Okay, so it, it is... And I would do anything for my daughter. She's not in here. She'd probably be embarrassed if she heard me saying these things, but she'd be happy to hear me saying these things. But I would do, I mean, I'm, about my daughter, I'm actually a problem waiting to happen, okay? <laughs> do not mess with my daughter, right, kind of a thing. It's like, it's, just, it's in a dad. And this guy's got a little girl. Now, as we read this, allow yourself to feel what he was probably feeling in those moments. Verse 22, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Now, think of all the reasons that Jairus could have given now for not acting. By acting, by the way, I mean 
taking our problems to the Lord in prayer. Okay, think of all the reasons that he could have been giving at this point. And he could have been thinking, well, I'm one of the rulers of the synagogue. I'm kind of a man of position. I'll, I'll make an appointment and Jesus will see me privately because I'm kind of a big deal. He could have done that. He could have said, well, I, don't, you know, I, 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 I think I don't want to break down in front of all these people and get all emotional in front of them. You know, he might, could have been concerned about his dignity. He could have said, well, God is everywhere. I'll just cover the, this with God when I'm home. And what's going to happen is going to happen anyway. Um, or another reason that maybe you might have thought is, I, I, I don't want to get my hopes up, ask for something, and just get disappointed. And I think this keeps people, a lot of people, from praying right there. I'm not going to pray myself out on a limb and get disappointed. Listen to me. The truths of Christianity are, are, are not so thin like some sheet of tissue paper that you can poke through the truths of Jesus with your finger and they're, they're going to dissolve in front of you it, it, just because you asked the wrong question. That's, that's not true at all. I mean, do you really think, do you really believe and know that God is up to and capable of answering prayer? I mean, I mean, I mean... It, do you, do you know that? I'm going to assure you that he is up to it and not only wants to hear, he wants to hear your needs. The text says he's a ruler. This guy was a ruler in the synagogue and he, he could have said, well, I got to be strong for the people. I, I've got colleagues and I got colleagues in the synagogue and they already hate Jesus. And if they see this, then maybe they won't, I'll, get, I'll lose my job and I need that job to pay for my, I got to, I take care of my family. I mean, there's all these reasons. But catch this. This guy acts. Faith acts. He got up. He got dressed. He left his house. He asked around. He, he located Jesus. He cuts through the crowd. And he meets him on the beach. Verse 22. Then came, out, came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly. Now, before I even get to the asking part here, I just got to say, you know, and don't, don't answer this out loud, but do you act when something happens to you that's in life that's beyond you? You know, how often have you prayed? And I mean really prayed. Because the trials that we face in life are, are, are taking us to a place in prayer that we've not been before. We haven't. I, I can tell you, you know, I can tell you that the trials that Terry has faced, the pain, the pathos of that, have taken me to a place where I've never been before. And later, those trials become ground zero for the place of gratitude in my life. And maybe you know what that means. I think maybe you do. I really believe that God never ever wastes a trial ever. He's never wasted a trial that's come upon you in your life. And before you ever get to the answer, before you ever get to the provision that you're seeking in that circumstance, you get to this place of gratitude where what he's done for you through that whole thing. But you still got to act. I heard this story about this pastor. He was telling the story in a sermon I was listening to that when he got to his 40th birthday, he did something he'd wanted to do his whole life up to that point. He went to go skydiving. And um, 
So he went to the skydiving place, and I guess there's two different pathways you can take. You can take the one where you, you know, take the all-day class, and you do all the practice jumps and do all this stuff, or you can do the shortcut, which is where you just sign your life away and say, hey, if I'm dead or I'm maimed or I'm splattered, sign my rights away, right? He did that one instead of the, okay. It's like, okay, I'm, it's, you're going to jump out. And um, so he gets up in the plane, and he's... He's got this guy strapped to his back, so it's a tandem jump, and, 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 you know, and, and he's told, well, the guy has 15,000 successful jumps. You know, That sounds both good and bad to me. It's like, he could be like due for a problem. <laughs> Just the statistics. Anyway, so you, you, you literally have this pro strapped to your back, and you know, they tell you that you're going to go out of the plane, and at a certain point, you've got this little thing on your wrist that tells you the altitude. You get to a certain point. When it gets there, pull the cord. Okay, so you're supposed to pull the cord. So out they go. He starts dropping like a rock. For you math people, 32 feet per second per second. Da, da, da. Pretty soon he reaches terminal velocity. He's headed 100,000 miles an hour for the ground. And whee, you know, I don't know what's going on, but he paid money to do this. So get your money's worth out of it. So he's going down and he's dropping like, and he becomes mesmerized by what he's seeing. And it's like, wow, I want to do this my whole life. This is great. And he's it's beautiful, and he's dropping like a rock, and, and um, he's not really paying attention, and pretty soon he hears this voice coming from behind, pull the cord! <laughs> you know, the guy, pull the cord! He's still mesmerized, not reading, pull the cord! <laughs> pretty soon he feels this arm reach around him, grab the thing, and bam, bam out goes the parachute. <laughs> he didn't pull the cord. I mean, it's a remarkable thing how, how we need to take action. We even know what the action is we're supposed to take. But we get so caught up sometimes in the stuff that's going on that we, we do nothing. And prayer can be exactly, just exactly like that. The thing is, I, I know down deep you agree with me about the need to act. No, we are going to go before the Lord. I, I know that that's in you. But what Jairus did, you know, what is it that, that separates us so often from Jairus and, and this miracle that he's about to experience is, is, is this. He did it. He actually went to the Lord. And when it's time to go to the Lord, you either go to the Lord or you don't go to the Lord. You either do or you don't. I mean, I think a lot of people are, believe in pulling the cord. <laughs> it's a good idea to believe in pulling that cord if you're going to jump out of an airplane. But somehow, in the fervor of the moment, we just don't actually do it. So faith acts. Second thing is that faith asks. Faith asks. Verse 22, And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly. Notice the humility here. He fell at his feet. Just think of the desperation that's going on now in this father. Hard to picture this. You know, I, I don't get out hunting too often anymore, but I, got, I used to hunt quite a lot. And, uh, you know, if you've ever been a hunter and you've had a hunting party, you have hunting buddies. They're your hunting buddies forever, even if you don't hunt with them anymore. You know how that works, guys? It's true. Anyway, so there's their guys in my life that I can walk up to and I can ask them for something, I, and I do. And they walk up and ask for me things. And, and we have a tendency, if I was to walk up to you and you were my hunting buddy, I'd look you in the eye and say, hey, hey, Henry, could, could you kind of help me? I need some 
heavy lifting, and I, you look like a lifter. So, um, um, you know, I, I would do that. That'd be one thing. It'd be another thing if I walked up. I don't mean to... I guess I do mean to single you out, Henry. So um, if I walked up to you and I was making the request, hey, I need your help, and I felt like you were somewhere else, and I grabbed you by your hands, and I looked at you and I said, Henry, you know, and I kind of forced you to make eye contact with me. That'd be another whole thing. Although I have to say that the guys in my hunting party, we don't hold hands all that much, okay? <laughs> not, not. <laughs> so and it would be another whole thing if I walked up to you and I fell at your feet and I hugged your ankles. Look at what this guy's doing. You can just see the, the, the fervency. You can see the, the, the earnestness. He, he, his dignity didn't matter. He didn't give a rip about it. His position didn't matter. Nothing matters to him but his petition about his little girl with the Lord. That's faith. That's what faith does. If you're asking yourself the question, do I have faith? Faith acts. It acts. And it asks. It, it asks earnestly, it fervently, and with this immense humility. Notice the things that he says. He, you know, he says, my little daughter, please come. She's at the point of death. Notice the confidence. He, he says, she'll get well. This is all in verse 23. And he implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. <laughs> That's amazing. But we're not done with, done with this yet. So faith acts and asks. And, and now this faith endures. Or I could have said overcomes. It endures. Uh, verse 24. And he went with him. Jesus went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Wait, 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 hold on just a minute. What just happened? What about this guy and his daughter? Picture this. You've just got Jesus' attention. You fell at his feet. And, you know, my daughter's dying. Come, all you have to do is just come and, and, and lay hands and she's going to be okay, Jesus. And, and, and Jesus says, yeah, let's go do that, right? You're, you've covered that territory. You're headed out to save your little girl's life. And all of a sudden, this lady shows up. How's this guy feel? Come on, Lord. This, you know, so while he's still speaking, uh, verse 20, 35, well, I'm going to jump down because this gets worse. Um, verse 35, while he's still speaking, there came from the ruler's house, th that's Jairus' house, some who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I know what this guy's thinking now. He's thinking, come on. He's probably thinking, my daughter's only 12. She needs you, Jesus. You can come back to this lady later. She's been dealing with this for 12 years. You got time. You know? And Jesus, tender Jesus, he's overhearing what these people are saying. Hey, don't bother this guy. Your daughter's already dead. I don't know how they said it to him. It doesn't sound very tender, does it? He's hearing all this. Jesus is hearing all this, and he stops what he's doing, and he turns to the Father. And he says to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Now, I tell you right now, I could just stop right there and preach on that little short phrase all day long. You know, it's when, 
when things for you look as terrible as they could possibly look. Would you allow Jesus just to say to you, don't be afraid, only believe. Just believe. I want to say that right now, more people than you would guess are present in this room today. And the reason you're here is because the Holy Spirit drew you just so that Jesus Christ could speak into your situation today. The situation that you think is beyond hope, that you think is never going to change, that you think has absolutely no chance of ever being different. And Jesus wants to say the words into that circumstances. Don't be afraid, only believe. I think, I think most of us either don't know or maybe we have forgotten what total desperation looks like. I mean, have you been there? I, I've been there. It's been a long time ago. It was in the 80s. There was a point for me of total desperation, and I was convinced that my problems were unsolvable. There was no hope in me. There was no resolution for me. And, and, and I... I would have cobbled together any kind of solution to what I faced, but there wasn't any solution. It just wasn't possible. I was in total desperation. And I had this friend who didn't know the details and didn't have the facts, but was very prophetic, and, and uh, he just came up to his broken friend, me, and he prophesied over me. And, and, and these words came out of his mouth, but it was as close as audible you get from coming from God. And he said to me, I can still hear these words, count it not lost. Why have you counted it lost, Terry? Count it not lost. That's another translation. Don't be afraid, Terry, only believe. And I can tell you those words were not some magical incantation to me. They were life. And he speaks life to this father. Man. And I can tell you that when you have total desperation, it, it leads you to action, and that action is to ask. And, and, and coming with that is this willingness to overcome, to endure, whatever it is that you got to come. And, and it's, it's, this is so much about pressing past. It, it's about not giving up. It's, it's about not giving in. And Jairus didn't, and I didn't, and I don't want you to. <laughs> Do not fear, only believe. Verse 37 now follow watch what, what, what happens here with Jesus. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. Now, in their culture, they hired professional mourners. Seems silly to me. <laughs> There's not a lot funny about this whole story, but this makes me chuckle. There's a bunch of people in the house going, Oh! Give me my 50 bucks, you know, it's like, <laughs> it just seems so disingenuous. But they got all this wailing going on, and uh, <laughs> that's what they thought was property. And when Jesus had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40, and they laughed at Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you think these mourners had any faith? No, they, not a whole lot, right? I mean, it's like they're thinking, you know, we, you know, and Jesus shows them, why are you guys doing this? And they look at him and they got to be thinking like, who are you? Listen, we are professionals at this. We do this every day and they never get up, right? 
That's what they're thinking. Okay, just watch. Next verse. This is a cool, one of the coolest verses in the Bible. I don't know why I think that. But he put them all aside. What, what happened there? What's your image of who Jesus is? Is he this like tender guy with, you know, some kind of a mullet with a sheep around his neck? I've seen the picture. They're pretty cool. Hey, I'm sorry if I'm popping your bubble. It's, he probably looks exactly like that. I don't know what he looks like. But if this says he put them out. It doesn't say he asked them, hey, would you mind stepping out? It says he put them out. I mean, for all we know, he could have, you know, walked up to the head mourner, put an arm around the head and neck, another one through the crotch, grasped it in the back, picked him up, done one of these things, <laughs> climbed up on the ropes of the ring, and slammed him out the window. Probably not, but we don't know. It says he put them outside. Jesus is not this weak sauce leader. He put them outside. Somehow they went outside. They didn't want to be outside. Here's the funny thing. Think this through. He didn't hire them. Someone in the household hired him. They weren't under his authority. Who are you to tell? He put them outside. <laughs> Come on, don't you think that's cool? I'm having this wonderful thing going on up here. I'm just thinking it's really cool. Okay, and um, so he puts them outside and took the child's father and mother. He took the child's father and mother. Parents, you parents who are a burden for your children, you're, you're concerned. He took the father and the mother. He knows the weight. He knows the pain. You know, he, that we're, that he, knows, he knows what's going on in our hearts about our kids. Here's this dead girl. Their, their dead daughter's lying in there. He hits the mom and the dad and those who are with him, and he went in where the child was. This is awesome. Now, before we move on to the, you know, the cool parts of this, this is a cool story, I want to notice Jairus had a lot of chances to let go of his faith here, right? I mean, he had this delay with the woman. He has these people bringing news that the daughter's dead. He has mourners laughing at him from the Bible. Hands up, how many of you believe he had lots of reasons to give up his faith? Yeah, it's, it's all over there. Now, the reason that I'm mining this out of the text today is, is because faith acts, let's go to the Lord with this, and, and faith asks, he's very, very specific, he's pleading, he's earnest, and then faith always endures. It overcomes the thing. And then, in God's timing, he apparently had time for this woman too, in God's timing, faith gets answered. It gets answered. Verse 41. Taking her by the hand, he says to her, Talitha kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Can you hear the relentless love and tenderness of Jesus here? The guy who has power over life and death. And he says, honey, come on. Come on, get up. Come on, sweetie. Stand up. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age. And there's a few questions that we don't really know about here. We can kind of guess about. How long was she sick? We don't know. Was it two years or three years? We, we don't know. But they waited all that time. She was sick. And then at some point, Jairus said, I'm going to go get help. How long between the time that he said, I'm going to go for help, I'm going to go find Jesus? We don't know. How long he waited? How long between that moment, Jesus on the beach, and we actually see the daughter get up? We, we don't know that. It, this all didn't just happen in 10 minutes. 
There was journeys involved. There was time involved. And, and this guy didn't just pray. You look at the sequence. He, he acted, he asked, he endured. And all of that happened before he got his answer. And they immediately overcame with amazement and he, st- he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to go give her something to eat. You know, and, and I want to just clarify one thing too about the word answered, prayer answered. Answered means God's going to show up in the midst of your circumstance and make his presence felt. That's what answered prayer is. He's going to show up in your circumstances and you will see him, you'll feel him. His presence will be felt. I don't personally believe for a moment that your first verbalization of request is going to get answered exactly as you request it. It may, but I don't think that there is something that's, that compels God to do the words that you say. You need to follow with me here. I believe Scripture teaches that, that God will change the prayer. I believe Scripture teaches that God will change the prayer. And I believe that God's, Scripture teaches that God's going to show up powerfully And I believe that God will hear and answer according to his will. According to his will. And this truth about answered prayer doesn't just show up here. It shows up over and over and over again in scripture. I'm going to show you another example in the same passage. Let's go back to this lady who almost put Jairus in the ditch. Okay, so this is verse 24. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood. Now, um... We're not exactly sure what that was. Um, there was some sort of internal bleeding. The scripture uses non-medical terms here. Um, and um, we're not supposed to know. You guys, are a little, you, you guys have a little bit of time still. I know you're, you want me to hurry and finish, so I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't embarrass you like that. Um, I'll, it, it, we're close. I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> so, so time out. We decided to change things before service, okay? So, all right. Blue, 42, Omaha. Okay, no. Audible call. Football fans know what that was, right? Okay. I didn't just go off. Actually, I did go off the deep end there for a minute, but I'm back now. Okay. So, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him, and there was this woman who had a discharge. And and like I said, we don't really know what that was. Um, It was some sort of internal bleeding. I've heard lots of of speculation about it. They could be correct. But the scripture here is using non-medical terms. Um, I, I think we're not supposed to know. Um, not because it's a secret, but because we don't want our circumstance to somehow be disqualified because this could be all kinds of things, including what you face. Um, but we can know some things about this. Um, we know it left her weak. We know it left her vulnerable to other diseases as any, any loss of blood, continuous loss of blood would do for a person. And it had been going off, as Scripture says, for 12 years, which if you're a pattern seeker and you'll see it's interesting to me, this um, same length of time as the other miracle. The girl was 12, right? It's just, I don't know if it's coincidence. I don't, I'm not reading anything into that. Verse 26. And so she'd had this going on for 12 years, had suffered much under many physicians. And I want to pause for a minute and talk about going to the doctor. Just for a minute, we're, we're keep the scripture up. But it's not wrong to go to the doctor. Some crazy, crazy, cultic Christian, um, Christians teach that it's wrong to go to the doctor. And it's not wrong to go to the doctor. It's just not wrong. I mean, I don't judge anybody for anything medically they do, try to do to make themselves get better. And I, I just, that's not up to me. I mean, so what's, what's wrong is when we act in a way that, that, that would be as if we believe that our number of days is in our hands or in the doctor's hands. 
It's not. Your number of days is not in your hands. Read Psalm 139, okay? I'm just telling you right now, there's lots of places. That, and, and frankly, there are people out there running marathons who drop dead at 40, and there are people who are out there eating potato chips for dinner every day, and they live really old lives. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, go figure, right? Now, listen, I think we would all agree that healthy practices are wise, right? And statistics agree with that. I'm not telling you to eat potato chips, okay? I'm just saying... My days, your days are not in our hands. Anyway so, um, and I, so, anyway, so this woman is very, very frustrated. She's, she's, and it says she'd suffered under many physicians. Not only that, but listen, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And I'm sad to say that's not all that uncommon even today, is it? I mean, I mean, I know there are many Many people, and many, there are many, many ways that different people have experienced healing. I, I think there are people who have done organic things that have helped them, and I've, I think people have done medical things that have helped them, and I think people have done spiritual things that have helped them. And I think each person needs to be fully persuaded in their own heart, in their own mind. But above all, above all of that, you have to act. Anyway, okay, <clears throat> verse 26. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd. So there she is acting. And we don't hear a verbal request from her, but we're going to hear a request. It's a very tender one, nonverbal. Here it comes. And she touched his garment, for she said, if I touch even his garment, I'll be made well. What a moment. I mean, I think if you've lived with chronic pain... For some people, you know, you maybe lived with it for an extended period of time. It, it's it's a really hard thing, and we start to wonder, you know, God, where, where are you? Where are you in this, God? Where, where are you? And I just want to say something to you, and I want to ask you to let this seep down into your soul, because both of these stories we've been in today seem to have been going on for a while. But here's the statement I want to say to you. Delay is not denial. Delay is not denial. We pray for God's will in God's way in God's time. You know, we're taught to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done, God. What a nice thing to pray. Your will be done, God. I, I say, I hardly ever pray that for my own life. I'm guilty of that. I don't get up in the morning and say, hey, God, your will be done. I have my list. <laughs> you know, pray God's will for whatever reason that has driven you to the Lord. It, even Jesus prayed that in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, Father, but your will be done. So add that to your prayer list. Pray the will of God. Your will be done, God. Your will be done in my daughter. Your will be done in my son. Your will be done in my business. Your will be done in this church. Your will be done. God, let me be a part of your will. God, let me help you accomplish your will. God, let me see your will. Let me see it happen. All of that, pray God's will. Delay is not denial. You haven't been told no by God. Pray God's will that it would happen in God's way and in God's time, not my time. You know, and, and we can get so balled up sometimes. We think about what we're praying for, and we're even praying a noble prayer about somebody else in their life, and 
The caution I would give you, you should do that, by the way, but the caution I would give you is that you put that at the top of your list when the first thing in our list is, God, I, I know this is a big world. First, do what you're going to do right here in me. First and foremost, you know, what you're trying to do, let it happen right here in me. How dare I pray for the advancement of God's will in somebody else's life and, and not think that God's first work is going to happen right here. Pray God's will. So she asks, she asks, she asks, and she endures for 12 years. Verse 28. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Awesome. Faith is, is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. Read it again. Believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. That's faith. You know, um, we don't get the circus around here anymore. It's been a long time since the circus came to town. A lot, they used to come to town and, you know, they'd get off the train and all the animals would parade and, and um, they, they would use the elephants, the big, strong, mighty, powerful elephants to pull up the big tents, right? Big, heavy tents. They'd use the elephants for that. And they would tether these big, honking, strong elephants with a little rope and a little <laughs> peg in the ground. Just a little one. The question you might ask yourself is, why does that little peg hold that big, strong, powerful elephant? And the answer is because it always has. That's really the answer. When the elephant was just a little tiny elephant, that same rope and, and peg would go in the ground and it was too much for the little guy. He'd pull it and tug at it and um, that's all that was necessary to keep him in the ground, to keep him tied into one place. And he grew up. But a long time before he finished growing up, he stopped trying to pull the peg out of the ground. He just doesn't know that he could without any effort at all. And we pray like that sometimes. A long time ago, maybe you were, knew God's word less than you do now. Maybe you weren't as desperate as you are now. And you kind of set your expectation right down here in the matter of prayer. And now that little peg, that low expectation, holds you right there in that place. It doesn't need to. Because you have the power to rip that thing right up out of the ground. <laughs> you do. Like it's nothing. But we don't do it. Because we've been held with this little peg called doubt for so long. Faith acts. It gets going before the Lord. Faith asks. Faith endures. She's endured for 12 years. Verse uh, 28. <laughs> For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And, uh, and Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched me? Who touched my garments? <laughs> and his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say who touched me? I really don't picture myself talking to Jesus quite like that. <laughs> you know, really, that's what they said to him. What are you, crazy, Jesus? I mean, we can hardly move without somebody pressing on us. What's wrong with you? <laughs> that's kind of what they said, isn't it? Do you have a sense of humor? I mean, I do. I look at that and think, okay, okay, all right. So, and he looked around to see who had done it. 
how would you respond if you know, you've now been singled out, you maybe whatever. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Look at this tender thing from the Lord again. And he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. <laughs> That's awesome. I just can't important, uh, emphasize how, uh, overemphasize how important it is to endure to keep going, to press past, get over that hurdle. My dad had, um, my dad was a teacher in Spokane as I grew up and he, w- he had summer jobs. He, he, he worked in, um, he was like a park manager, uh, city parks. And um, I would tag along with him and one time he was working at, at, if you know Spokane, he was working at Ferris High School um, at the park there and there was a full track and all this kind of stuff and there was stuff going on. I remember Jerry Lindgren was there. He was a four minute miler, it was a big deal. But anyway, there was this track meet of some sort going on. It wasn't a big deal, but there was a track meet. And I hadn't been around track meets, and they had the hurdles lined up. I was probably 10, not certainly a hurdler, never been up to one before, ever seen really in person. And they were running these hurdles, and I thought, that's kind of crazy, I'm going to try that. And I suppose it was because my dad was the park manager, and nobody shooed away the little 10-year-old boy with these high school boys who were running the hurdles. So I lined up with them, right? There's three or four of them, and then a couple of empty lanes enough. So I'm over in this last lane, and, you know, bang, they go, I take off. And <laughs> I go running and jumping those hurdles and I get down to the other end and I get there and all of my hurdles are still up. Of course, I came in last by like 100 yards. It was only 100 yards long. And I said to my dad, I said, hey, look, they're all still up. <laughs> my dad, he says, you know, that's really good. But the point is to be the first one to the finish line. It doesn't matter how many hurdles you knock down along the way. You can go ahead and knock them down, but you get to the line first. That's a completely different way of thinking. I thought you were supposed to leave them up. I thought you had to leave the hurdles up. I want to tell you today, you don't have to leave the hurdles up. You can knock them down. Stop to, trying to avoid the pain of tripping and falling. Stop trying to always get around the obstacles. If it's hard, knock it down. But you got to keep going. You have to endure. You got to keep going forward in faith. Because faith acts, faith asks, and faith endures and overcomes those hurdles. That is the faith that gets answered. Let's pray. And then we're going to worship. I'm going to pray with you, and then we're going to worship. Um, and I, somewhere along the line, towards the end of the service, I'll mention this to you that we have people who want to pray with you. These people will endure. They're here week after week, ready to pray with you and agree with you. And you can share with them everything you want to or nothing. Just say, pray for me or pray for me about. You decide. But um, one of the hurdles is to get out of your chair at the end of service and go have somebody pray with you. Knock it down. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. Lord, I love your tenderness. You push away the hurdles of people who laugh at you. You push away the hurdles of people who have no faith. You push those things away because you're going to accomplish your will. So Lord, that is our prayer today. Your will be done. And Lord, we have a room full of need. We have a room full of challenges. We have a room full of heartbreak and we have a room full of faith. Let your will be done, Lord, I pray. 
We pray, God, that in our circumstances, your will be done. In our bodies physically, your will be done. In our finances, your will be done. In our children, in our work, at our school, with our friends, with our husband or wife or our children or family, your will be done. But before all of that, God, right here in this heart, your will be done. And Lord, as we would worship with you today, your will be done. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.